0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. It is me, Ryan, a.k.a. DeBoss, here with another episode of the Boss Cast podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Today we have a gaming-centered, focused episode for you guys. We're going to be discussing the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, a very popular series from the minds of Square Enix. I'm sure you guys have an idea of this series, that it is widely popular. You might be asking yourselves, though, who's we? Well, allow me to introduce my guest for this episode, also a creator on YouTube, also Ryan. Hello. So, Ryan, to kind of delve into this, it's, it's so weird because again, sharing the same name, it's it's so it's so weird to me still. Um, so, Ryan, for this um, to kind of introduce yourself, um, what kind of content creation do do you do on YouTube primarily?
1: Uh, I mainly do like short films and comedy skits on Ooh. YouTube.
0: So that's pretty cool, actually. I do not short films, but I've done like comedy, like skits and whatnot, like on my main YouTube channel, The Boss Official. Uh, I've done that, so that's pretty cool to hear, actually. Um, besides your content creation and curiosity, for the main subject of the podcast to kind of start delving into it here, what was your initial introduction into the Kingdom Hearts series?
1: When I was about probably five or six years old, when the first game came out.
0: Wow. All right. So you started off relatively like young. So you had like an early introduction to the series then.
1: And... Yeah, kind of sort of.
0: That's that's actually really cool. My introduction, you have a head start on me then. Um for me, I remember I'm trying to remember I was in middle school at the time at a babysitter's house when I first played the first Kingdom Hearts game. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, to be exact, I played a little bit of it here and there. I got to the point where I started getting to uh, Wonderland, and then I stopped playing the game because I stopped going to that particular babysitter's house. Um, it wasn't for another year or two after that I actually started playing Kingdom Hearts again through the PS3 like first HD collection that Square Enix initially released. So that was like my further introduction to the Kingdom Hearts series. So, But I've played the series ever since my middle school and days. Played several of the games in the series. Not all of them yet, but most of the games in the series I've experienced at one point or another. So to kind of jump into it here, do you want to tell the audience a little bit more about like your favorite Kingdom Hearts game? Uh, I've only played
1: the first two in the series, but I really like the first one just because, uh, because it started off the series in a way. And you kind of get a feel for the characters as you play it throughout the game. Like, you start to kind of develop feelings. Like, you kind of start caring about the characters from the start of their journey to the end of the first game.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. See, and that's one of the things that I think makes the first Kingdom Hearts game like such a good time. For those of you who need context for it, Kingdom Hearts is a series that is an amalgamation of both Final Fantasy and Disney. Um, they basically combine together. Final Fantasy characters make an appearance throughout the series, but they're more slated for cameos and like side appearances. The main meat and potatoes of Kingdom Hearts 1, for example, would be surrounding like Sora, a boy chosen by a magical weapon known as the Keyblade, goes to various Disney worlds uh, along with Donald Duck and Goofy from Disney, and they work together to seal the keyholes of each of these worlds, all the while stopping the evil exploits of a woman Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty and as well as a classic cast of villains um, also stopping Sora's best friend Riku who is being influenced by the darkness and being manipulated by Maleficent to do her bidding. All the while they're trying to find seven sleeping princesses in order to unlock the ultimate keyhole and unleash darkness upon all the worlds. There's other contexts and stories and whatnot but honestly, I'm not going to delve too much into it from my end personally just because the Kingdom Hearts series is so convoluted with the story and later entries but Kingdom Hearts 1 keeps it crazy simple. So from your gameplay experiences with Kingdom Hearts 1 then since we'll kind of start off with that then since it's the first game in the series I'm kind of curious what were your favorite experiences and or least favorite experiences with the game?
1: Well, when I started out playing it, it kind of was like a Christmas present from my mom to me and my sister. And my sister had the PlayStation 2, so Main time when I played was when I would sit there and watch her being that annoying sibling, just watching her play the game. <laughs> and she would always she always get stuck on levels, and I would like get through the level. Like you know, you got this like six year old going through these levels and showing his like teenage sister how to play the game. Hmm. And I don't know, it's just like I ever had a lot of fun with it because it introduced me into the PlayStation Two. Because it was like one of the first PlayStation 2 games I played and it was kind of like groundbreaking because I was used to the PlayStation 1 and playing like Tomb Raider and Pro Skater. It was like the graphics were kind of unreal to me in the game and plus the storyline too.
0: Oh yeah, and that those are very gripping things, especially about the first Kingdom Hearts game. The first Kingdom Hearts game looks, even though it's dated nowadays, when this game came out in 2002, it looked revolutionary. Square Enix really pulled out all the stops for their first major collaboration with Disney, especially in the video game market. And the storyline, I agree with you there too. It's the storyline is one of the best of the series, and is like the most simple story you are going to get. Again, without going into details, unless you're a hardcore fan or you've been following the series enough to understand it, there was so much ins and outs of this game when it comes to the concepts of light and darkness, uh, time travel, heartless, heartless nobodies. Like, there's so many different things about this series that people just you won't understand if you go to initially explain it. So I agree with you with the story. The story was very gripping in the first game as well. Uh, The main core gameplay of this game, obviously, as far as the setting goes outside of like the hack and slash mechanics. And of course the RPG elements, your the Disney worlds themselves were a major feat. Now I'm curious here, what was your favorite and least favorite Disney worlds in the game? Because there are some mixed opinions when it comes to this in the first game.
1: Uh, one of my favorites to start off with, uh, I really like the Tarzan level for oh, some wow. reason. Like I remember it and there was like a certain platforming part that my sister had trouble with that was actually pretty easy in my opinion when I played it. And uh my least favorite world, I, I didn't really like the Hercules world a whole lot. As a kid, that scared me a little bit with the battle, like the boss battle in it. It just kind of scared me for some reason.
0: Oh, I get I mean, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. I think it's, uh, are you referring to Cerberus by any chance?
1: Yeah, that battle with Cerberus. It was just, for some reason, looking back on it as a kid, I was just kind of scared of that battle, because it just, I don't know why, like, I was just scared of some random stuff as a kid, and it just scared me and spooked me a little bit.
0: Oh no, that's perfectly understandable, especially when it comes to like a young kid playing video games and whatnot. Like I know Cerberus, for example, like I mean that's it's a it's a hell dog from the depths of the underworld. Like if you're a young kid playing even like a Kingdom Hearts like Disney like S game, like that obviously that's still normal to freak you out. And I don't blame you. The Hercules world for me is one that got better in later games. That world in particular, I thought was fine. For the time, I mean, the story was kind of bland. It wasn't really anything amazing. But the the tournaments were really cool. They allowed you to get some really good items and weapons and whatnot. And they were fun to do for, like, side content. But the world in general, going through it, like, the first time... Is kind of boring. There's not much there other than the Colosseum, the Tarzan World. That surprises me for someone who actually enjoys the Tarzan World. I like the Tarzan World, but a lot of people in the, uh, especially in the community and in gaming in general, they don't like the world because of that precise platforming, all the backtracking you have to do from the camp all the way back up to the treehouse, like three or four times, around three times I think, and people really didn't like the vine part. And I must be honest, when I first played it when I was a kid, that vine platforming segment you talked about not being that hard. For me as a kid, I couldn't really get it down at first. But I replayed the game earlier this year um, on the Xbox One and like the newest HD collection Square Enix has released. And I have to be honest, it's not that bad. I only fell down once whenever I was going across the vines. And the inputs aren't that bad to really get down once you start getting into it. It has like a flow of sorts. Is it fun? I'll leave that up to you, platforming, aspiring platformer gamers out there. But I will say, I very much found them fine at the very least
1: I never really had much with like trouble with platformer games as a kid yeah. but as a, as an adult it's like a little bit more difficult for me I don't know why like a lot of the games I used to have trouble with as a kid like Mortal Kombat nowadays like I'm playing it I'm not having any trouble with it because I used to be really bad at that game and there's a couple other games out there that I was pretty bad at as a kid and I eventually got better with those games
0: ooh gotcha gotcha See, that was a that's a really cool thing there too, especially when it comes to being able to relate it to other game series with similar like gameplay mechanics. Yeah. When it and when it comes down to other aspects of like the first Kingdom Hearts game, for example, when it comes down to What was your strategy of sorts when it comes to the battles? Because when it comes to this series, there are different ways that you can approach the combat itself, whether it be boss fights or regular encounters with Heartless or any other enemies you encounter, for that matter. There, People prefer to stick with the weapons, like the Keyblades. Uh, People prefer to do magic. Some people prefer to do a combination of the two. What were you more geared to? Well, as a kid,
1: I never really understood the magic part, so I was just running in there with the Keyblade, trying to like hack and slash and stuff like that, but... (laughs) as an adult, like going back and at least playing the first one, which last time I played, it was probably when I was in a uh, high school. Uh, I think I kind of used a, a combination of the two because I realized the magic was actually important. Cause you know, I wouldn't be dying as much if I was healing my characters and stuff. Oh, yeah.
0: it, that That's a major part of it too. Especially since, uh, in this game, uh, Donald's AI is about as useful as a rock when it comes to healing you. Uh, not, not very, <laughs> it's, uh, You can't really rely on him that much, especially since he's the spellcaster of your group and Goofy is like offense slash defense, depending on like the weapon and whatnot. But the magic itself, for me personally, when it comes to it, like I agree with you, when I was when I first played the game back in middle school, during that time frame, I did not use magic. And I always went with the Keyblade. Nowadays, when I play any Kingdom Hearts game, especially the mainline titles, I still don't. Uh, I more prefer, I use the magic for healing, like cure, curaga, like that kind of thing. Occasionally I'll use like buffing magic, if you want to call it that for offense, like faraga or like, uh, you know, uh, the electric attacker, like I, uh, like a uh, blizzaga or something like that. But I mainly use the Keyblade and like the combos and stuff like that. And I mostly use magic as like a backup for healing. So I don't really use any of the magic for like offense. Kind of thing. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Yeah, it, it's all part of the strategy. It really depends on who who the person is and like what their play style might be. So it, it's an interesting thing about it. Out a curiosity, too, what it, from the ones that you remember, at least, what was your favorite Keyblade to use in the first Kingdom Hearts game? To be honest, I don't remember how many Keyblades there were. Because I haven't played <laughs> uh, in a the while. There, there's a few. I don't remember the exact number, but I can tell you that there are a few. There are quite a few keyblades present in the game itself. Um, the one that I know I love the most was the one from Halloween town. Uh, the crap, what's the name of it? It's pumpkin something. But that's a keyblade that it's the same thing in Kingdom Hearts 2. That Keyblade, uh, relative to the number of combos that you hit in the air, the Keyblade becomes stronger, and you're able to do more critical hits and land more, depending on how many times you hit your opponent. That one is great for clearing out crowds of enemies. Boss fights, I leave that up to you, whether or not combos are your priority, but I will say for clearing out large groups of Heartless, it is very useful.
1: Okay, I just don't remember the names of like, the Keyblades, because I remember you do get a couple when you beat the Worlds, but I just don't remember which one I used because I never really paid attention to that as a kid.
0: Oh, gotcha. I mean, that would make perfect sense there too, especially if you're playing the game like younger and whatnot. So that's really cool in itself. Like I said, that always goes back to like that play style kind of thing. Like it really depends on how you played the game. Uh, Before we jump into, because you mentioned you play Kingdom Hearts 2, which is arguably the best game in the series in the opinions of many people, including myself, I think Kingdom Hearts 2 is the best in the series. I know you mentioned that you haven't played three. Let me tell you. I'll, I'll tell you this, 3 is a good game, but it is not better than Kingdom Hearts 2, in my opinion. They try and cram so much story into it, it's not... I don't know what you've heard about the game, but it's good, but not as good as 2.
1: I haven't really heard a whole lot about the game, because I haven't really been paying attention to the Kingdom Hearts series after the second one. And uh, I just haven't really played it like i never bought it for my xbox or anything so it was like yeah i just haven't played it i guess
0: yeah which is fair enough in itself too because that kind of leads to like let me ask you this out of curiosity when it comes to the kingdom hearts series a lot of people worked and were turned off by the series after like kingdom hearts 2 because the story got so convoluted and the series just kind of went in a different direction that they could have ended the series off with two they could have ended off the series right there, with good explanations for all the characters and everything else. But they continued to add new things to it that made it complicated. Was that something that turned you off from the series?
1: I don't think so. Like I think what kind of like made me drift away from the series was just getting involved with other video games, like games like Halo and other games that are like coming out like new ones, like Saints Row, uh, Grand Theft Auto, Tony Hawk any really i've been playing like i've played a lot of games so like i kind of just haven't really went back and played kingdom hearts so it was like more like a childhood thing than because i just evolved to other game series and just haven't paid attention to it
0: since the second one gotcha gotcha and see that's a really good thing in itself too in a way you develop new tastes over time and i understand like Series like that, especially like you have fond memories of them when you're a kid, you know, you played a lot of them, you play at least one of the games, you enjoyed it, but then you're like, well, time to get to something new. And I, I can't blame you there either. I've had the exact same kinds of experiences with different games and series as well. Game series that I enjoy now that I, looking back, I don't think I would have been able to play uh, back in when I was younger because I just wouldn't really be into them because tastes change over time. But one thing thing I do want to delve into, though, as far as, like, the Kingdom Hearts series goes, is since you played Kingdom Hearts 2, out of curiosity, what was your experience with starting that game up?
1: It was a little different, honestly. Like, it just felt different than the first one, because of the way the story was portrayed. Like, it just added on to it. It It's like, if I had to compare it to a movie, I would say, like, Star Wars in a way. Like, you got A New Hope, and you know that story. And then once you go into Empire Strikes Back, it's like feels a little different, but it didn't bother me much because I was a kid when I played it, so it was just a different feel in a way, in my opinion.
0: And agreed there. By that point in the series, the game had completely evolved a lot of the gameplay mechanics and the story and whatnot. They added so much new content into the game itself compared to one. And let me ask you this from your parents too. Which game do you think was easier, one or two? honestly as a kid i remember the first one being a lot easier than the second one because
1: it was just so different the second game like it was a little bit harder it was more of a challenge and i it got me in the habit of asking me uh like ask having me ask uh friends of mine like neighbors and stuff that played kingdom hearts and other video games and asking them hey can you beat this level for me
0: (laughs) which is fair enough too actually honestly that's a very different opinion than what i'm used to hearing when from my experience and from like what other people that i've talked to about it have said kingdom hearts 2 to them is easier than kingdom hearts 1 and from my recent replay of kingdom hearts 1 early this year and i last played kingdom hearts 2 last year for me I understand for you it's different just because, you know, it's a very different style of game. It's the the same kind of gameplay, but it's a very different way that they do it within the series because they add so much more content into it and new gameplay styles and battle mechanics. But Kingdom Hearts 1, I'll tell you the back half of that game, especially when it comes to like all the Ansem fights and like the ending portion is not easy. (laughs) Kingdom Hearts 2, I don't know why, it just kind of clicked with me better. I beat the game like two or three times. Uh, The By the way, the part three Xemnas fight is complete crap. Um, Let me just say that now, especially that part with the lasers that you get trapped in like a grid and you have to continuously mash triangle and square together to spin them back. That fight is complete garbage. Uh, But, well, that last part anyway. But the game for me was a lot easier just because of the mechanics and whatnot were a lot more attuned. And Kingdom Hearts 1, while it is a good game, it is aged (laughs) in a few ways. Uh, mostly with the platforming and whatnot, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not awful or anything like that. But what I will say is I thought 2 was easier. But that's an interesting take, though. Kingdom Hearts 1 being the easier game. I, I like that differing opinion, though. That's that's really good. But with your experience, aside from, uh, like, the initial parts of, like, uh, KH2, out of curiosity, so from what you remember of it, what was, like, your world preference? Like, what was the world you loved and what was the world you hated?
1: I don't really remember the worlds that much from that game because, like I said, I'd ask uh, my friends to beat levels for me, so I'd watch them play it. But I remember one, there was like, I want to say there were like bookshelves that moved
0: around and stuff. Uh, I think that might have been Kingdom Hearts 1 if I'm remembering correctly. Because I remember there's one, yeah, I think that might have been Kingdom Hearts 1. There's one section in a world called Hollow Bastion where you have to find a bunch of different books. And you Uh, have to, you have to put the books in like different bookshelves and then open up like a path to like leave the room and then continue going further into the castle of like to go after Maleficent. It's an interesting point though. But yeah, Kingdom Hearts, um, for Kingdom Hearts 2 though, that is an interesting point as well, especially. So for the worlds that, let me ask you this then. Do you, do you remember Atlantica from Kingdom Hearts 2?
1: Kind of, sort of. It kind of rings a bell.
0: Yeah, The only reason I bring this world up in particular is because this world in Kingdom Hearts 2 is considered not only the best game in the Kingdom Hearts series, but it is considered, I think, one of the greatest video games ever made alongside Kingdom Hearts 1. So when it comes to people evaluating this game, one of the worlds that comes up that is notoriously terrible for a lot of people is Atlantica. Mostly because Atlantica is a mini-game world, and that's about it. It's completely optional. You don't have to do it but oh, i kind of remember that yeah it's um you remember like the songs and stuff like that you have to do like timing like your button presses to like sing a bunch of songs like some from the little mermaid some from like originally in the game
1: yeah i wasn't good at that part either yeah. <laughs> like, i remember having a my neighbor i was bothering him while he was doing a, a school assignment for because he was like in seventh grade and he was obsessed with like final fantasy and kingdom hearts i was like can you beat this part for me he's like really ryan and i was like yes i can't get through it <laughs> even though it was which, optional i was like you know screw it i want to do it i want to try to
0: beat this game 100 which i want to get 100 completion and that's the main, that's the only real reason i think you would do it other than like experience if you're a huge fan of the world or you just want to experience everything the game has to offer because atlantica in kingdom Hearts 2 is so notorious in the community it People don't like the music. They don't like the minigame timing. They don't like the lack of significance. The other annoying part, I don't know if you remember this, but every single time you go to the world and try to progress the story, you can't go through it like for any, like you, every gate world in Kingdom Hearts 2, you revisit twice before you finish yeah. the complete. When it comes to Atlantica, you have to revisit the world five or six times because you need certain types of magic. So you could do like the first two, three worlds, go to Atlantica, and then you couldn't make any more progress until you do another two or three worlds just because you don't have the right kind of magic. Like you don't have uh, the advanced more gravity or you don't have the advanced more lightning to do certain actions. Like that thing I know turned off. I'm sure that turned off people having to revisit multiple times continuously.
1: Yeah, I know it would turn me off, but I was a kid and I really liked the whole idea of like Final Fantasy anime type art with Disney. And I just like seeing that in the game. And that's what made me want to play the game more as a kid.
0: Yeah, and that was that's something that's an interesting point too. I was kind of curious with you about when it comes to like the Final Fantasy inclusion, which I'm sure attracted a lot, besides it being a new IP, Final the Inclusion of Final Fantasy, one of the greatest, arguably greatest video game franchises in history at least in the RPG scene. When it comes down to it, what what about the Final Fantasy characters really attract you to it? Did you have any favorites in there or do you have any characters you wish would have been in the series? Well, when
1: I first played Kingdom Hearts, I didn't really know about Final Fantasy. like It was kind of like new to me. Mm-hmm. And then I had a neighbor, the one I was telling you about, he was—he loved Final Fantasy so much. I remember coming over to his house for the first time, and he was showing me his Final Fantasy collection of all the games. Like he had all the original PlayStation One games of Final Fantasy and some of the PlayStation Two games. And he tried to get me hooked on the series when I was a kid, but I never really got into it. I only played like one Final Fantasy game in my life, and it was like—I remember in that Final Fantasy game there was like a water world similar to Kingdom Hearts, where you're like doing like a uh, basketball game. Or some kind of basketball, soccer, (laughs) underwater type game Uh, uh, in Final Fantasy.
0: I wish I could say I remember that. I own, I think, let me think here. I own most of the Final Fantasy games on PlayStation 1 and 2 because I collect and play retro video games, so I have most of the uh, Final Fantasy games up to 12. I don't have 13, 14, or 15, nor do I have 11, but I think I have all the other Final Fantasies in one way or another on the PS1 and 2, and I can tell you I haven't really played the games much. I admire the series and want to, but I don't recall ever seeing that scene from a Final Fantasy game, unfortunately. I. If somebody knows, please send a voice memo in, because I would love to know, I'm sure we would love to know what Final Fantasy game that came from, because I I don't know. I'm drawing a complete blank on it. I'm honestly not sure on that one.
1: I want to say it was like Final Fantasy 10. I can't remember, because I never really got into Final Fantasy much as a hmm. kid, but the whole art style was just cool, because as a kid, I watched anime because my sister got me hooked on anime. Oh, gotcha. And I remember seeing the trailer for Kingdom Hearts 2. And I was like, that game looks cool. You have like Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy, and you got these anime art style type characters. And it was kind of cool that they combined the two art things for the games. And then like it's like a Final Fantasy RPG in a way.
0: Oh yeah, I and mean, that's a great thing about it too. This would attracted a lot of people to the series in the first place. The inclusion of Final Fantasy, the amazing looking like art style and whatnot, and just the inclusion of all these great characters in general. It's this is part of the reason why I think Kingdom Hearts really took off the ground, and that's why it's still prevalent today. The only thing that bogs it down nowadays is. The side games in the series also turned a lot of people off. This is another point of contention. I don't know if you're aware of any of the other side games that came out in between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 and even games that came out after because there are several games that released on the Game Boy Advance, the Nintendo DS, there's a phone game out now that is relevant to the series, like the next generation of it like the next step the, a common complaint people have had was and i don't know if you have this experience with like other game series in general for example but like when you have a game series that has a bunch of mainline games in it but then you release side games on more obscure platforms that are part of the main story and then you play some of the other main games and you have no idea what's going on because you didn't play the side games kingdom hearts would be one of those series
1: i don't think i ever played any of the side games i never really uh thought about playing them like i've heard of them but i never really thought of it because it was like i'm already playing my xbox 360 and i don't want to go back and get my playstation 2 out of a box and play it but now as an adult i go back and play my playstation 2 which i did when i was in high school but i was more focused on playing like more of the next gen games around the time
0: Oh yeah. Was there any like game series that you can kind of relate that idea back to, for example, like a game series that has a bunch of main games in it that you can follow a story of sorts, but then it has a bunch of other side games that you you didn't play. And you're like, wow, I I have no idea what's going on in these main games.
1: Uh, I think one game I can really say that about would have to be like, uh, I want to say like Grand Theft Auto, even though they don't have like a main like series. Yeah, even though they have like Grand Theft Auto's one through four, but they're all different storylines. But it's really weird when you like play the game. It's like Grand Theft Auto and then it's like San Andreas and you got this whole completely different storyline than the game that came out before, it, which was Vice City. And I think it'd be cool if like the Grand Theft Auto series did like a game where it had like a character and it had like maybe three games and you had like the main storyline that goes through.
0: That would be very interesting, and I wish other game series like Grand Theft Auto would do that kind of thing, especially when it comes down to... Even taking King- series like Kingdom Hearts like out of the equation for for example, when you have games that have a narrative story and it's completely story-based, for example, you want a main central protagonist to go across multiple different games and to form a cohesive storyline to where you know the character, you know the story arc, you can follow it, and you can still enjoy the story while enjoying whatever gameplay is available for that series. Some series do it better than others, especially if you don't have a good storyline across those multiple games, even taking out the side games issue. Once series that i go back to that had a main character that really i don't think got as much development as he should have was the assassin's creed series specifically the first yeah specifically the first one to i think we'll go all the way up to assassin's creed 3 for the main series um specifically i'm talking about desmond miles he is a character who i enjoyed at different points but his character arc it he had a I think a good ending, at least his main character at the time in three with his sacrifice uh, to save the world. I think he could have gotten a lot more development though, because when people play a game like assassin's creed, they don't play it for the main story going on. They play it to play the life of the assassin and experience the overall world that's available through the animus. Like that's the main thing that people want to experience in this series. And I've played many of the games and I've enjoyed many of them, but Desmond's story could have been fleshed out a lot better. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I could agree with that because uh I kind of got turned off from Assassin's Creed because of that in my opinion cuz like I played the first 3 in the series. Uh I recently just started playing the third one which was uh the one when you're uh you're not Ezio in that one you're some other
0: assassin. I think uh was it was during the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Yeah, that you're playing is uh Connor in that game. That's his name. I haven't really got that far into that game because I
1: recently just got it for my Switch, but um, I remember just playing the first uh, three, which was the first Assassin's Creed, then Assassin's Creed 2, then Assassin's Creed uh, Brotherhood. I think that was the one that came after, too.
0: I think it is. It's Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood, Revelations, and then 3, and then it just kind of goes from there with like uh, the other games.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think after when I played Brotherhood... I got my Xbox one and that was when like black flag and unity were coming out. So I went and played unity and I liked unity. It was different, but it wasn't like one that I played a lot. Like I played through it, It took me about a couple months to beat, but still, it was just a different feel to it. And then black flag, I totally just got turned off from the series after that game. It was just so (laughs) different.
0: It's an interesting cycle, I must admit, especially when it comes to having certain game series like that. I for the Assassin's Creed series, for example, I never played Black Flag. People like Black Flag just because of the different mechanics it brings with having your own ship and being able to do different like side quests and story events surrounding like being a pirate on the open sea and traveling to different locations on a big map through a ship, like playing as an actual pirate. But for me, the later games in the series, I after i want to say probably after rogue i never really got into the games outside of i did play odyssey and i did play origins like i did enjoy both of those games but with that in mind though i haven't played the newest uh, iteration of assassin i haven't played valhalla yet uh, i don't know if i will to be honest because the series has gotten very formulaic and that's another problem i think game series like even relating it back to like kingdom hearts for example like what we started off talking about was like games like series like that get formulaic after a while you have to constantly be changing up the mechanics in the story to keep the viewers engaged or the the people who play your video game i don't know do you have any game series that kind of got formulaic over time where they did a lot of the same thing and just kind of kind of got repetitive after a while
1: i would hate to say it but i think the tony hawk games were kind of like that in a way uh, cause I played a lot of the Tony Hawk games as a kid on the PlayStation 2 and even the newer ones, which I haven't played the new pro skaters one and two yet that recently came out. But like, I feel like even though that each Tony Hawk game was different, pro skater was completely different. That was like arcade based, but like after pro skater, like underground project Eight, like it was like, you start out like as a no name skater teenager, and then you work your way up to becoming a famous skateboarder throughout the game. And it kind of got repetitive for me.
0: Yeah, I haven't played many of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, but it's, it's a series that I admire. And I can see where you're coming from because the Tony Hawk games, the major differences between a lot of the main titles that I know of was like the first several games in the series up until four was more of the same. You had, the, you had different arenas, you had different tricks you could perform, you had different modes, you had different everything you could do, but it was pretty much the exact same thing. Like, you would be doing, there was no story to follow. You were going through levels, you were increasing your rank, you were building your skills throughout the game as a skateboarder. And that was a good thing at the time, but eventually, after the first few, like, classic games, I could see where it got repetitive. The thing that I think helped the Tony Hawk series, from what I had seen, at least keep it afloat for a a while, was, like, the inclusion of some of the other games that actually had, like, stories that people enjoyed like underground one underground two american wasteland you know games like that that actually had stories people enjoyed and where you could do more of the same but like different with the core skateboarding gameplay so i think that was something that helped keep tony hawk afloat and then <clears throat> tony hawk uh, five and six happened as well as the terrible wii games i should know i tried <laughs> the, i tried the wii skateboarding one it was bad uh so
1: Man, I thought of the Tony Hawk ride and the Tony Hawk shred on the Wii. I I wanted to try it, but I was like, nah, it's not like real skateboarding. It's like playing Guitar Hero, but with a skateboard. Yeah,
0: l- let me tell you man, it's it's awful. Uh, I, I I tried it once the contro- the skateboard controller that you get for the Wii for that game, it doesn't work half the time. Um nor is it very fun to do period because you have to balance yourself in real time in the game while you're on there. <clears throat> and you have to, if you mess up even one thing like you your foot slides off the board or something or you fall off, um the game completely just stops. Plus you have to keep constantly putting batteries in it for example so it's just it's not worth it it just wasn't a fun tony hawk game and that's why i mean after those side games and up until like tony hawk 4 up until the remakes of one and two came out all the tony hawk games that came out for the main series on consoles were all considered pretty bad from what i'd seen reception wise at least until the remakes of one and two they released like those ones did really well for reception and like the audience retention
1: Yeah, when it came to, like, Tony Hawk, uh, I really loved Underground's 1 and 2, even though the story was kind of repetitive for me. I still loved them because the character customization, and the levels were just crazy. And I felt like when I played those games as a kid, for some reason, I thought the graphics were so cool, just like Kingdom Hearts. Like, I was thinking, man, this is so cool. It looks so real. And then now it's like 2021, you got games that look 10, maybe 1,000 times better in graphics And that's like one argument that I have with people is they always claim a game's good because of the graphics, but looking back on it, on the games I played as a childhood, like Kingdom Hearts, uh, Bully, some of the early Grand Theft Auto games, uh, even the original Doom games, I still find enjoyment out of them, even though that the graphics are kind of dated, I still enjoy it because I enjoyed it as a kid and I'm just going back to play it and it might be a little bit difficult as a kid or not as a kid, but as an adult playing a game that I thought was easy as a kid, it's just, oh my. it's just, you know, it, it just, it just kind of goes with the argument that graphics aren't everything in a game.
0: I am actually hundred percent agreement with you on that. I've had this discussion with people in the community in the past, and I can tell you graphics do not make a game. If you can have a good story and good gameplay period, I don't care what the game looks like. As long as it doesn't look like ET, like the Atari game, that is actually really bad. Uh, <laughs> that, graphics don't make up anything i've played plenty of games when i was younger that i still enjoy playing today that the graphics are severely outdated in um there are games like uh i referred to these on the show in the past but these are still hidden gems in my opinion on the ps2 which would be bloody roar 4 and samurai western those games don't look amazing by today's standards but man oh man the 3d at the time is still appealing today i have a blast playing those games when i have played them And they are fantastic fun times, even though they're not the best games on the planet and visually they don't really hold up as well as like the newest Resident Evil game. Those games are still a blast. Modern day games that I've played that replicate the old school graphics, like a lot of indie games, the ones that I'm going to go to for these are Shovel Knight, um, River City Girls, uh, Celeste. Um, there are several indie games I played that go for that old school, sometimes arcadey design that looks so amazing with modern day hardware. And they aren't even the latest graphics like the latest Call of Duty or something like that. They're not trying to be realistic. They're trying to be visually stimulating through gameplay. And that is, I think, the best way you could describe games that go for like an old school style. Believe it or not, everyone, you don't have to look like the latest Resident Evil Village with the RE engine from Capcom to have a good game. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, in my opinion, uh, I don't know how popular his opinion is, but you know how they remade like Resident Evil, because I know you brought up Resident Evil there. Oh yeah, I love the Resident Evil series. I do, I do too. I actually have a Resident Evil lanyard that I carry around my keys, and then I got like a Resident Evil uh, energy drink that I bought that was really good, and And I I still have the can on display in my room.
0: Man, that's great. I should have made this a follow-up Resident Evil episode. (laughs) That would have been great.
1: (laughs) That's uh, all good. But what I was going to say about Resident Evil was uh, the older games were a lot harder than the newer games. Like, I feel like the newer games, like the remakes of like Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 0, Resident Evil 2, and 3, I feel like they nerfed it a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Like, they made it way too easier for you. Like, I was going back and playing the first Resident Evil on uh, the PlayStation 1. I bought it on Amazon for like 10 bucks. I got lucky there, and uh, I was playing it, and I was like, "Why is this game so hard?" I was playing it on my the remake, like the remake on my Xbox, and it was a lot easier.
0: Yeah, and that's th- th- speaking toward Resident Evil and like difficulty in video games. We'll just use Resident Evil as like an example. Resident Evil <laughs> is a video game series that started off difficult in itself. I went back and played. I haven't played a lot of the early games on the PS1. The games that I have under my belt at the time of this episode are four, or I'm going in order: four, five, seven, eight, two remake, and three remake are the ones that I've played so far. And I own pretty much all the I own the first three on the PS1 myself. So I could go back and play those. I will say this. The difficulty decrease for the Resident Evil series is there. The 3 remake, which was way too short. Good game, but could have been longer. It was really easy. I didn't really have any difficulties or any rage-inducing moments just because they give you so much ammo, they give you so many healing items, the enemies aren't that difficult to take down on certain modes. Nemesis, for example, in that game is severely regulated to like scripted encounters instead of actually following you everywhere. So they made that particular game so much more easy. And Village especially, I played through Village and I enjoyed the game, but it's so easy in comparison to like 7, for example, because they give you so many resources and they give you... So much they really dial back the horror experience, uh, except for the Benevito house that that is still horrifying. <laughs> but at the same time, though, the rest of the game outside of that is really really easy, especially when it comes to all the material and stuff they give you. They focus more on the action from Resident Evil Four, and Resident Evil Four, which which was the latest Resident Evil game that I've played, like. I want to say a few weeks ago now, maybe last, I think it was like last month, but I played and beat that game for the first time. Resident Evil 4 was difficult, but it was balanced. It had a good balance of difficulty in boss fights with your movement, with your aiming, with uh, choosing what weapons to upgrade, managing your inventory, especially managing your inventory, with your heal items and your ammo. Those early games, you can tell, even when they shifted to a more action-oriented approach in RE4, you could tell the difficulty was still there to keep it balanced.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that because, like, I remember uh, playing like the early Resident Evil games, which I never played the earlier Resident Evil Two game, like the first one, but I played the little bit of the third one because my 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 cousin he had it on the PlayStation one. He was lucky, but I never got to get a co- I never got to get a copy of it when I even when i find it on sale i never it's always sold out so i never had luck there but i remember playing the earlier games and it's just like it, i feel like there was more less like more ammo in the newer games to go by and healing items than in the older games like in the older games ammo was more scarce and so are like the healing herbs and stuff and you really had to think on you got to conserve your bullets And you got to conserve your healing items because you don't want to use them all until you get to like a really tough boss fight. Mm -hmm. And with Resident Evil 4, I feel like with the whole balance mechanic, it was just it made it feel much better because as a kid, I wasn't really a big Resident Evil fan until I played the fourth one. Because as a kid playing Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil on the like Resident Evil Zero on the GameCube and Resident Evil uh, on the PlayStation One, I was like a little bit scared of that game because zombies <laughs> and it was like the first zombie game I played, and uh, it just scared me. But when I played Resident Evil <laughs> Four, I felt more uh, more confident in the game because you could like be like Leon and kick him with a, like roundhouse kick and make the enemy go flying. Oh, yeah. It just made me feel a little bit more badass in the game because Leon's just my favorite character because he kind of got me into the series just playing as him in the fourth game. And uh, with the newer games like Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil uh, Village, I feel like Resident Evil 7 was trying to get the feel of the first Resident Evil in a way because I feel like ammo was a little bit scarce there, but you could easily get ammo uh, if you look hard enough on like... Like if you know where all the boxes are to break with your knife, you can easily get ammo. But if you don't and you easily miss them, you're kind of screwed. When you get to a really difficult fight, with a uh... one difficult fight in Resident Evil Seven was when you're in the greenhouse with the mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was a little bit difficult because you had to use the flamethrower and you just got it. And it's like, well, I don't have a whole lot of fuel, so I got to kind of muscle my way through it and run around and try to find more fuel in the greenhouse. Or even more shotgun shells because I relied on the shotgun too much in that game. And Resident (laughs) Evil Village, I haven't played it, but from what I've seen in the memes of it, the difficulty in that game, I can see it when I watch it. But like, I feel like it's more, like you said, there's more ammo and it's a little bit easier on you. And uh, even like the villains, like they weren't as scary looking. Like they were kind of like freaks in a way, but like they weren't really scary. Especially the the head vampire woman, Hmm. like. Like there were a lot of memes about her being like very hot and stuff and people simping for it. And then you watch gameplay and like, okay, well, they're not wrong. She is kind of she is kinda hot. It's (laughs) kinda it's kinda hard to be scared of like a woman chasing you down and it's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna sit here and let her kill me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when it comes to like the Resident Evil series changing, like Village, for example, it wasn't very scary in itself. Like for like the main they had, like, the jump scare moments, like, here and there. The, the creepiest part about the game was definitely, like, the Beneviento house. Like, specifically, not... The doll thing didn't really get me. The thing that got me and most people to play the game was, like, the, the baby that follows you around. Oh,
1: like, God, that I've was, seen memes and, of that.
0: Yeah, that is... It's an experience, because you can't fight back with that. I mean, in-story, it's like a hallucination kind of thing. But even so, that's still creepy in itself, just because you can't fight back against it. It constantly chases you around and you have to stealth your way around there. I mean, all in all, though, if you play it once, I feel, though, it's mostly the atmosphere that gets you because it's like it's dark and whatnot. But if you play it on multiple times, I don't feel like it's as bad because it's the only real time in the game that really gets you. I mean, everything else in the game is just kind of Eh, when it comes to the scare department. Um, the other games that really got me though, like the one that I think creeped me out the most for Atmosphere was the two remake. That was the one that really got me. Like, don't get me wrong, eight had its moments, like the the baby part and whatnot, but all in all, though, it wasn't awful for the horror. But the two remake, that was my first actual real Resident Evil experience. And I can tell you the tension going through the RPD, having Mr. X chase you down and dealing with all the zombies and stuff, running away from them with the limited ammo in some cases. That was a real horrifying experience in a way. It was more creepy. The part that got me the most to I think was like the sewer segments, like with Leon and Claire, where you fight against like those giant like sewer monsters down there like that that creeped me out a little bit here and there because i'm trying to find out how i'm going to progress through the sewer through all the mazes and puzzles and then here i have all these creatures that are like underneath the water and they just jump in front of you when you least expect it and then they spray acid in your face like that kind of thing is memorable to me because that was the thing that really got me into like the survival horror genre and i can tell you right now from games like re4 re4 is it's not a scary game (laughs) I mean, it's not supposed to be because it's more action oriented, but the I think the creepiest RE4 game, like not RE4, but creepiest RE game I played was probably the 2 remake.
1: I've been wanting to get, I, I remember going to GameStop
0: because I live in Texas and we had this snowstorm
1: and around when the snowstorm before it even happened, I got my Switch. And after the snowstorm, I went to GameStop and I was looking to see if they had like any new games I wanted to buy for it because I already had like... Mega Man and uh, saints row 4 and super smash bros on it and i was like i want to get a new game and i saw they had resident Evil 4 through 6 and a triple uh game pack for the switch for like 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something and i was like i want to buy it and it turns out they were sold out and i was like dang it i really want to play some resident evil 4 because that game like the only things that scared me in resident evil 4 as a kid because i i was still a kid when i played it and uh it was like those uh, guys with their chainsaws with the bags on their face.
0: Oh, yeah. The uh, Dr. S- Crab, I forget, the, I forget his name. I but can't it's, remember his name. He's uh, Salvador, I think it is. Dr. Salvador, I think. I think,
1: I think you're I mean. right. Because I've played the game a couple times over the years. Like, I played it on the GameCube. That was What was funny was that was the only Resident Evil game I played through on the GameCube was Resident Evil 4. Hmm. Because they had like Resident Evil Zero on the GameCube, and I never played much of that. But I I remember the Dr. Salvador guy was scary because I was I had a fear of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a kid. Like that movie scared the crap out of me. So just playing that game kind of scared me when you have this guy chasing you with a chainsaw and you're like, oh my God, this is reminding me of that movie I watched the other day. <laughs> Cause, and what's funny is I'm 21 living in freaking Texas and I'm like driving back roads late at night. I'm like, okay, car, don't break down. Don't break down. I'm not getting killed by a chainsaw wheelie maniac. (laughs) But another thing that scared me was, uh, you know, those guys, uh, with the spikes or whatever they were,
0: uh, on the lab Island.
1: Yeah, the lab. Like they're yeah, like the, walking, and you see them twitching and stuff, and yeah, you got to shoot they're them certain uh, points.
0: Yeah, they're the regenerators. There, the, the gimmick with those guys is the only real way to permanently kill them without wasting a bunch of ammo and not having them regenerate is to use the thermal scope that you pick up and to shoot specific points in their body, like where the lost plugus parasite is, and that's the only way to kill them, like almost instantly. Yeah, those things were pretty creepy, just because they they don't make any noise. <laughs> Yeah,
1: so they kind of sneak up on you.
0: Yeah, they sneak up on you, and when you do hear them, it's normally like when they're nearby.
1: (laughs) And it doesn't help that Ashley's around you, too.
0: Yeah, that's the big thing with like Resident Evil 4 that some people enjoy. Some people are turned off by because they think it's like one giant escort mission, which it's not really a fair assumption there because Ashley, despite how cumbersome she might be, you can still, for the most part, manage her well just by throwing her in a dumpster, having her wait in an area, and then clearing out all the enemies first. The part that I found it to be an issue with Ashley uh, when it comes to escorting her was the parts of Salazar's castle, uh, specifically the water room. That part sucked.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could remember that. I always had trouble escorting her because like, when I first played it as a kid, being like 9 or 10 years older, however old I was when I played it, Uh, I never really hit her so that was like a big challenge for me as a kid but going back and playing it as like a teenager and adult like I started hiding her and stuff and I was like that kind of helps why didn't I think of that when I was younger
0: (laughs) you know it's a fair assumption in itself not a lot of people will initially think about that especially if you're playing it younger especially with certain gameplay features available like the dumpsters and whatnot so very unique take there especially when it comes to the re series especially But yeah, that's all actually really well and cool with that in mind, though, ladies and gentlemen, we have, this is the funny thing was, I initially had this episode planned to be like the start of season two, but I think I'll just chuck this into season one as well, because our finale is still coming up. Uh, The last podcast I did with a YouTube buddy of mine, where I mentioned the season finale is coming up. So I think the season finale will be coming up after this episode is up. So you'll be the last official guest of this season. (laughs) Congratulations, no. Ryan. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Yeah, the um I was I mentioned in like the last episode that I did where my I'm not in like the podcast isn't ending. It's the season one. Season two will be in production here uh a little while later, but um season one I only intended to go like Rick and Morty style, like 10 episodes like for a season. So I figured for this one, though, I'll make it a special event because we've had a really great guest here on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this is the first time I've had someone with my same name actually uh, appear on the show as well. That's something unique in itself as well. But um, they, with that being said, though, with the episode counting down and getting pretty lengthy here, we've discussed a lot of great things today. Ryan, is there anything you want to say to the audience to kind of conclude this episode?
1: Uh I just want to tell the audience to stay awesome and, uh, you know, every day, you know, don't let anything ruin your day. Just keep a smile on your face and keep pushing through and maybe chill out and play some video games when you get off work.
0: (laughs) Nothing wrong with that there, man. And you mentioned before that you have a YouTube channel. Can you mind uh, describing people like the name of it and whatnot, as well as like what kind of content they could expect if they decide to check it out?
1: uh so my I'm gonna try to wrap this up and not make the podcast any longer so my channel's called Ryan Shover uh I just do comedy skits like um uh, just kind of like SNL type skits I guess and I play a lot of the roles in my videos and I'm actually putting together a series called retirement where uh my grandparents are involved in that film project and uh that's about it really like If you guys like something funny, like comedy skits and stuff where I crack jokes and look like a dumbass on YouTube, then go check it out.
0: (laughs) Basically, if you enjoy like... If you enjoy that kind of great content on YouTube, please check this man out. He has been fantastic for this episode. Ryan, thank you for joining me in this episode. We had some great discussions going. We started talking about Kingdom Hearts, and then eventually we got into some great discussions about other game series as well as different thing parts of the gaming market as well. So thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I really do appreciate it.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure. I had a good time. I feel like I sounded kind of like stupid on my end because I didn't have as much knowledge as you about Kingdom Hearts, (laughs) just from when I like my experience of when I was playing it when I was young. But I'm kind of glad we kind of dove into like other games and just kind of like evolved it around different gameplay mechanics and how we compared it to uh, like we could easily compare Resident Evil to Kingdom Hearts in a way.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely did that. Oh, and that's the great thing about the podcast, too. You never know what direction it's going to lead in. The topic is never the whole episode. It's normally just the start, and then you see where it goes from there kind of thing. So we got into some great discussion outside of the Kingdom Hearts series. I think you did really well. You clearly know your stuff when it comes to games like the Resident Evil series or Tony Hawk or any of the other ones that we've discussed here. So some really great stuff all in all and but thank you once again ryan for showing up here if you guys want to check out his content please check out the link in the description down below to his youtube channel it will be worth your time to go and check it out um believe me i am i might go and check it out myself because i really love seeing comedic stuff and really cool projects from creators in the community so please go and support his channel check out his content and subscribe Um, But otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the BossCast podcast. This has been Ryan and other Ryan signing out.